This portion of the program has been brought to you by Black Coffee. You've been in your study all week. You searched the scriptures, selected your three points, and worked out your closing statement. You've prayed over it, practiced your delivery, and polished it to perfection. But when you wake up Sunday, you just want to stay under the covers. Dealing with people is the last thing you want to do. You could use some inspiration. You could use black coffee. A cup of two of black coffee gives you the get up and go you need to walk up to the pulpit and not let them down. Need to call down the fire? A third cup of black coffee gives you the heartburn you need to do just that. And your congregation will love it because black coffee makes sure you'll make the necessary pit stop to keep from getting too long-winded. Remember, when you need to preach it right, good old black coffee won't let you down. Maybe episodes, we'll see. Uh, gifts and callings. You know, we talked about in a book, we got a session called So You're Called. What we reference is a lot of times we're unaware of what to do. And there can be a legitimate calling, but what exactly do you do? What does that mean? And we're going to get into that here because what we noticed, and we had this happen, uh, young man, young woman, you have a call of God on your life. Well, amen, you do. But really, what does that mean? Uh, our foundational scripture for this is Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He wasn't confused when he did it. Uh, there isn't too much you can do to negate it. Uh, you can cause it to not bear fruit, and that's on you. Still called. Still gifted. Mm-hmm. Still called. Exactly. Which also yep. tells you that just because a person is demonstrating the gift doesn't necessarily mean that everything's kosher. True. So that's kind of a double-edged sword. But really, here's some questions we want to get into. Number one, what are you called to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> you're, you're called what? Called to do what? I think, truthfully, if we really wanted to get down to brass tacks, everybody's called. Everybody's called yep. to do something. Um, it's not just uh, it's not just the preachers. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the Sunday school teachers. Um, from the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got a calling on your life. The uh, big thing comes down to, like you said, what are we called to do? And that's kind of what we're diving into is uh, what does that look like and what, what is it exactly? So, yeah, yeah we're, we're all called. So. We are, but in the context of, of the organized church, uh, the institutional church, what that usually means is they're going to try and make somebody a preacher, usually a pastor or an evangelist. And if you have somebody doing the wrong thing, the results are disastrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not only are they disastrous for the person, but. They can be disastrous for their family. They can be disastrous for if they're, especially if they're pastoring and stuff, they can be disastrous for that congregation. Uh, you can have some major, major collateral damage by doing, by thinking you're called and equating the calling with the pastorship or, you know, going out on the road. Uh, not everybody can handle being out on the road. All right. 
In other words, finding where you fit in and what God's called you to do, that is vital. Uh, another thing, just because you're called, does it mean that you're going to do it immediately? Ooh, that's a big one. Uh, that's a big one. If we look at the Bible, uh, for, for examples, uh, it's usually no. Yeah. <laughs> it's we're, no, going to it's get, not. we're going to, we're going to get into, we, we have several scriptures. We shall yeah, get into to demonstrate that, uh, precept. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, does that, does every calling have to be filtered through the institutional church or are we limiting God? Uh, can you be called to bring the light of God and the love of Jesus Christ into an area that isn't godly? And that messes with a lot of folks' theology. Yeah, it does. Especially if they want you in church five days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, one, of the, one of the problems is, the, the problem with church here in America is the church that we have here in America is the only example yeah. Church. That's, it's, it's all we know. Uh, so it's it's kind of it, it's kind of a uh, self uh, uh, fulfilling prophecy, if you will. We, all we're trying to do is, is keep our church alive, and that's kind of so. When we start uh, seeing folks who are called, well, then we're just going to. Well, you're called into the church. We're called to do this. We're so we're, it's a self uh, perpetuating. Uh, thing that we're trying to keep uh, trying to keep alive, and well, God, I think God is trying to trying to do things in other places uh, with folks and any fo- any kind of any kind of calling outside of that uh, outside of that picture, outside of that uh, that uh, example that we have here in America is just is not easily accepted. Yeah, here. Well, one of the things I see on the regular, if I look at certain ministries, look at certain uh, people that may have had a different viewpoint, a different uh, calling, a different point of emphasis into where they're called to minister. There can really be an attempt to knock those that are doing another kind of ministry in an area that those people ain't called into, and because it's unfamiliar, you're knocking it. And the the thing is, God's called them in that area. Peter uh, Peter was called, quoting Paul here. He said, uh, "Cephas, Cephas, is called to be an apostle to the circumcision. Where am I? I'm called to be an apostle to the Gentiles." Same call. Mm-hmm. It's not right and the other's wrong. It's just what God has called you to be. And, and he's called you to do that because God can see how effective you're going to be in that. Right. You know, right. Uh, it doesn't mean that Paul didn't preach to Jews. He did. doesn't mean the preacher didn't che- preach to Gentiles. We know he did. He was the first sure. one to do it. Sure. Their main point of emphasis was what it was. And also, you know, are are there scriptural examples? You know, it's wofo yo. So you have to be able to get in the word. We're going to give a few scriptural examples. And by all means, there are so many in the word that you can find different people, different stories, different accounts where the exact same principles 
are happening. And one of the things that we pointed out in the book, and we've said several times, is don't get bogged down in the details, thinking mm-hmm. it has to match detail by detail. But if you will find the principles, you're going to find that God has ordained certain processes, and it doesn't have to be rigid, but you're going to see that the basic points of emphasis in that process are going to happen. It might be a different sequence for you than it was for me and vice versa. But the same, he's going to use maybe different many methods to bring about the overall result. Right. There's a, I guess for lack of better words, when we're talking about being called, it doesn't take much of anything to simply be kind and, and, and show the love of God and and exercise grace. Mm -hmm. Um, And really you don't need a title to do that. Um, You don't need a position, an office or anything like that to show the love of Jesus uh, in your church, in your home, in your place of business, any of those places. Um, But for some reason, it, it, we do get this idea that all of a sudden when we we realize we're called, we're, we're put into, into, into use. Uh, I almost hate, I hate that term, you know, being used by God. Uh, we're not being used, uh, uh, but I guess that's the only way we know how to say it. Uh, we, we get called by God. Uh, we were being used by him. And all of a sudden this is where we start turning on the, you know, the, the, the love and the grace. And now that's supposed to happen at the very beginning. <laughs> so you're fulfilling no. your destiny. <laughs> that's, all. that's all. So don't be afraid to, you know, yeah. you may be called to simply be, be the light, a beacon of light uh, there in your, your own church because it's it, dead. It can be. Uh, yeah. And, and again, what about what you do for a job? Yeah. That might be called what you're called to do, or that might be training. We'll get into that here in a minute. But uh, I've heard people, you know, you talked about the term being used. And of course I had to, I had to do the old uh, emperor Palpatine voice there, but I've heard people say things like this during a moment of fulfillment, a moment of joy, a moment where your purpose feels like it's being achieved. I was made to do this. I was born to do this. Right. And you hit that stride to where you're smack dab in the middle of God's will. It being used, well, you can say that. But really, the word says, Paul said that we're co-laborers. Laboring uh, for God and we're co-laborers with Christ Jesus. So... Mm. That's divinely inspired when he says that. So that's how that's how Jesus views it. Right. So right. Uh, again, being used, eh, we're, you're not being used and thrown away. They're, you're definitely serving the purpose, and you're not doing it alone. Exactly. You know what? I think I'm just remembering some things. Uh, Miles Monroe had probably one of the best descriptions that I can remember talking about uh fulfilling the glory of god mm-hmm. uh you know we talk, you know talking about fulfilling the glory of god and that, man i'm just speaking from memory now but he talked about how 
um, when man, mankind is doing what he was created to do, uh, that is when he is tr- uh, truly glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember one of the examples he gave was that of an eagle or, or a bird. So, you know, the, the birds were, were created to fly. So when they're flying, uh, they were truly uh, glorifying God. Uh, now, this is severely broken down and paraphrased. Uh, so when you are doing what you're created to do, like you said, sometimes you get those moments, you're like, man, this is what I was born to do. Well, when you're in your element, when that's where you're at and you're fulfilling that purpose, uh, you're truly glorifying God. That's, that's what you're doing. That really is what's happening. You're, you're glorifying God uh, because you are in that, uh, you're, you're in that role that he created you to do. Uh, so, you know, if you can, if you can figure it out, if you can pray to pray to the Lord, and let him lead God and direct you and get you to where uh, you need to be, uh, you know, in, in that created zone, I guess if you can call it that, then that's where you are when you, when you glorify God. Amen. Let's get us some scripture examples here. Right. Jeremiah 1, 1. And when I was coming up with the notes for this, had me a King James. So if it sounds a little old timey, so be it. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word came, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest out forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then I then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. So that is Jeremiah 1, verses 1, verses 1 through 10. So I have a couple things here. Uh, Jeremiah is in the priesthood lineage right here. So what God's actually called you to do, it says right here that God's ordained him to be a prophet. But is that what he's doing when he gets called or when he's notified of the calling? No, he's hanging out he's mm-hmm. raised by priests. Right. So, however, that being said, what you're doing now can impact and can also be part of the preparation for you stepping into that calling. Right. Right. You know, we see this, I think we, we see this or we saw this in ourselves. I, I can pretty much remember where I was at when I felt that God called me. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And I almost hate to say God called me into ministry, uh, but I know that he, he called me into service, if you would. Um, but the problem I had was that all I knew at the time was, was ministry as we know it here in America. Okay. Call mm-hmm. me in ministry. Well, I must be going to be a, a pastor or a preacher or something. Um, but the more I thought about it and the more I prayed over it, it just, that wasn't it. I couldn't find peace on that. So I knew it was something else. Um, but of course, you know, the church wants to start grooming you. Uh, yeah. And, and but I knew I did not have peace in that. So, uh, we've seen this where God calls you, but you know that where you're at in that moment in time doesn't necessarily equate to, uh, stepping into that function. Uh, you know, it's it's just a calling. That's all it is. That's all it is. Uh, so yeah, Jeremiah, when he's called right there, it's all he is at at that point in time, just simply called. Yeah. And, the the thing is, but well, this is a verse that is well used by opponents of abortion, and rightly so. Uh, God says He called Jeremiah before He even formed him in His mother's womb. Mm-hmm. You yeah. were you were con- uh, uh, the word popped out, conceived before you even conceived was another word. But what, what it means is in the mind of God, you were actually conceived in the mind of God before you were ever conceived in a womb. And you are put here for a purpose. It's right. not just that you have a purpose, but the reason you are here is to fulfill that purpose. Now, I think a lot of people are just miserable today uh, with, with all, we talk about it all the time, all the info, all the noise coming at you, all the distractions. I think a lot of people are just miserable because they have no, either have no idea that they're not fulfilling their purpose, but they have this idea deep down that whatever's going on, this ain't it. There's got to be something more. And you're miserable. Well, long story short, they're looking to the wrong place. To find their purpose, looking for love uh, in all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're looking for nub. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they, which you know, I think if we were to take a second look at it, it, is a is an indictment because the simple fact that they that that they know that there's a purpose or they they believe they have a purpose is an indictment because they're, they're looking to something other than themselves for that purpose. Uh, they're looking to social media. They're looking to, um, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, some type of external relationship. Uh, they're looking to, you know, substance, which is substance turns into substance abuse. Uh, you, you name it and claim it. There it is. Uh, the uh, fact hobbies. is hobbies work, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, you name it, and there it is. But the fact is, the, the the fact that they are looking externally for for purpose is a pretty good indicator that they know purpose comes from outside themselves. Uh, and man, I I just go out on a limb and say it. That's that's God calling. Yeah, you know that's God calling, and they're just 
they'll get there when they get there, but that's God calling. Uh, And I would also say it's an indictment of the way that we do things corporately Mm -hmm. uh, here in the, in the Western church in that you have people and God's calling and here's the calling. And are we really doing a good job of directing them? Even directing our, you know, being able to find out for ourselves what we're supposed to be doing. Like I said, mm-hmm. not everything's a fit for everybody, right? You know, being a being in quote unquote ministry, it isn't a fit for everybody. That's traditional ministry. Some it is. That right. that being said, there's some that it is, and you know, there's a again, there's a process. And you got to be careful to make sure that we're adhering to God's process. And we understand that rather than what man's process is because there's two different results with that. But, uh, uh, I also think about this though, with Jeremiah's calling, he's told right off the bat, you're going to get resistance, right? It's scary. Mm -hmm. Which is 180 degrees opposite of what we're told here today. Uh, here today, we're told you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, really, it, <laughs> the truth is you're going to be met with resistance. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're out doing what you need to do and what you're supposed to be doing, uh, and, and doing it the right way, uh, you know, morally and righteously, it's going to meet resistance every time. It doesn't mean you're going to be unsuccessful, but you'll, you'll get resistance. Yep. Sure enough. Yep. Let's go talk about another young man that was called. There's some similarities here, Samuel. And over in first Samuel, we see Samuel's born out of desperation and prayer. And his mother, Hannah basically gets a word a very, very general word from the Lord, from Eli, the high priest. He said, he thinks she's drunk. And he just goes to the Lord's heard your petition. Once she explains it, you know, what, what she's doing. Uh, so in thankfulness, uh, she, she was wanting to have a baby, couldn't have a baby. She was barren and thankfulness His mother. Hannah, uh, dedicates Samuel to the Lord. And he ends up being raised by Eli the high priest and over around chapter three, verse three. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. They're talking about the uh, menorah where the ark of God was and where Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called to Samuel and he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I for thou callest me. And he said, I call not lie down again. And he went and lay down and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and he said, here am I for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son, lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, which is funny because he's ministering unto the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Still called, had a prophetic word spoke over him. 
And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And when the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel answered, speak for, Lord, speak for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth, it shall tingle. You see some similarities there. He's a youth when he's called. Uh, the, the purpose is spoken. The, the, he, he's, he's foretold that, that he's going to be born in a very, very general sense by Eli. There, there's an interesting thing of you're doing the Lord's work, but you don't know the Lord yet. That's mm-hmm. a, and, and there's a lot of us that are like that, man, especially if you were raised in church, right. but, but you ain't, it's not that you didn't believe you didn't know him. Didn't know him. And there's a difference. Well, I think it's interesting here. And, um, for the, for the light to go out, on the menorah, that was no small thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was no small thing. But I think it's interesting that when the light went out, that's when the Lord called Samuel. Yep. Uh, so there, there's this kind of a, a connotation here that uh, Samuel had been ministering to the Lord, although Samuel didn't know the Lord. It makes me wonder what, and there was no open vision. There was no word spoken uh, during this time. What was what was being used? What, how would they, how did they keep that menorah going? Was there there's a, there's this connotation here in my mind that there wasn't there wasn't any real ministry going on. There there was some that I'm gonna say that oil must not have been right. Yeah, it, or, or was it maintained? Yes, that that that's that's a better word. You, you uh, got into it, well. What happened is they got into the routine. Mm-hmm. And in the routine, forgot. Uh, well, there, there's, you know, just just breaking this down. One of the reasons, when you look at it, the light has gone out because Eli's eyes have gone dim. He can't yeah. see. So here you have uh, one of the, the the word that comes to Samuel right after that is about the corruption of Eli's sons. E- Eli right. knew his sons were corrupt, so Eli can't see to minister. In keeping the light, the keeping the manure lit, and his sons, who are supposed to be helping out, are not. Yeah, they're, they're busy partying up and laying with chicks is part of the sacrifice. And we have no reason to believe that when he says Eli's sight was dim, we have no reason to believe that it wasn't uh, his real sight. Uh, but there's also also. You know, we have no reason to believe that he's not talking about a spiritual side either. Yeah, it could be a metaphor for both. Exactly, exactly. For for what you see in the physical is oftentimes a, a you know a photo or a picture of what's going on in the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you look. He did that with uh, Moses mm-hmm. with his hand, reach in. You know, uh, throw down, throw down the rod; it becomes a serpent. Well, now you're dealing with the sin nature. Uh, right. Reach in your hand; it comes out leprous. You're not whole. Right. There, there's something meeting at you. Now stick it back in. I can make you whole. 
So all yeah. these things that, that that are going on with that definitely uh, is biblical basis for what you just said. I like go. I like Eli's uh, response to Samuel. I didn't call you. Go back to bed, son. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically what he's saying. It's not that. It's not that Eli. When we read this in in King's English, we almost get this sense that Eli knows that God's calling him. It's not me. Go back to bed. You know, go, go on. Go on. Yeah. But that's not really what we don't really. There's no reason for us to believe that. Uh, Eli. <laughs> It's, Eli's just saying, hey, it ain't me. Uh, go back to bed. Uh, so it probably wasn't about the third time that Eli finally realizes that, yeah. hey, God's talking to this kid. Well, you know? yeah. And it also probably gives you a little indicator of maybe Samuel's age when this is going on, uh-huh. uh, that he's young, because there's a, this there's this period in your kid's life where they knock on the door. Hey, daddy, mommy, go back to bed. It's okay. Get get you some water. Go back to bed. So it would not surprise me. I'm not trying to get too deep here, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe Samuel's around that age as well. He's going, look, I didn't call you. And then he finally gets it through his, he goes, Oh, this is going on. Which is interesting. Another thing that happens is the light goes out, then the word, which is rare, appears. So it's almost like an end of an era here. Yeah. That'll preach. We'll, we'll, hmm. we'll get in a little bit more into that here with, with a couple more. Uh, so it's interesting, though. Just as Jeremiah's called to be a prophet, um, you had Jeremiah, John the Baptist, and Ezekiel are all priests as well as prophets. Right. Uh, some some might argue that Malachi might have been as well. But definitely, definitely some things supporting that, but it's not 100%. Right. Um, but he's working in the tabernacle. This is where the word of the Lord comes to him. But again, that's not what he's called to do. He's called to be a judge and a prophet, or they also call him Samuel the seer, which is another term mm-hmm. for prophet. Usually, usually means how how the word comes. Uh, the the biggest difference, but it's also preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about Wofoyo, what we do with Wofoyo. Would Wofoyo have the focus that it does? the way God showed you things, the way God showed me things. If we had not been in the military and maybe had that law enforcement and corrections background, do you think we probably would have seen things that way? You know, we'd have probably been drinking the institutional church Kool-Aid. Yeah. But being in the military caused us to see kingdom really, really well. Right. It allowed us to, to kind of see outside the box a little bit mm-hmm. and see that there's, there's something a little bit bigger uh, more than anything, but you're right. It did allow us to see that, that kingdom principle and kingdom dynamic. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, kingdom's bigger than church. Uh, it just, Way it just bigger. is. It just is. Kingdom don't answer to church. Church answers to kingdom. That's right. That's yeah. right. Again, if you get into the word 
regarding Samuel, there is a time that he he really doesn't start ministering, ministering. He's there, but he really doesn't step out till he's become an adult. He's spending time with the with the voice of the Lord, and then he becomes a judge and a prophet. Mm-hmm. So it, you look at one of the things that happens after that. You have King David. David, there, there's a definite connection between Samuel and David because David, when he's a youth, he's anointed by Samuel to be king. But then he undergoes all these character testing episodes. Uh, he does different jobs. He, he's a shepherd boy. In the process of doing that, he kills a lion. He kills a bear. He's out there worshiping the Lord while he's tending the sheep. So he's also a musician and a singer. Uh, he also becomes a warrior. Mm-hmm. All before he ever gets to be king. And right. what is interesting there is he also gets a lot of pushback from King Saul, whom he serves. So when you are called, don't be surprised. Just as Jeremiah got pushback, there can be internal pushback as well because Saul viewed David as a threat. So the fact that you're called can cause people to view you as competition. Especially in this Western church. Yes. Yep. And so I think that's a big reason why you see a lot of the control spirit creep in is just that there's folks that, that they want to, since they see you as a threat, the best thing to do is try and control you. If they can't control you and you step out of that, then it's time to badmouth you. Time to destroy you. Or worse. Yep. Yep. And this is where we get into, they start developing these uh, systems for for, uh, controlling. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, uh, the covering, got to have a covering. That's one one way. That's a big way uh, of doing it. Make sure that you're held in check is to make sure you have a covering. Mm Got to have that covering, brother. Uh, You know, uh, which is, is not scriptural. It's denominational, but it's not scriptural. Um, and there's there's other ways of controlling as well. They'll control you by by the by the law, the, the letter of the law. They, when I say law, the Old Testament law, they'll start mm-hmm. pointing at your uh, your, your conduct um, w- without grace. Uh, but Lord help them if we turn that back around, and then we'll hear excuses like, "Well, you know, um, don't." Uh, don't don't join a perfect church because you'll ruin it. Uh, different things like that, mm-hmm. but what, but more in a more broad sense, what you see is these different ways of of controlling folks so that yeah. uh, uh, so that doesn't happen. So. That don't don't join a perfect church because it won't be perfect after you join it. That's deflection. That's deflection. That, yeah, that's what that is is failing to address the issue at hand. When it's a legitimate issue, yeah, and and it's is led to the detriment of a lot of congregations because rather than handling things in the baby stage, right, you let the cancer metastasize mm-hmm. a lot of times. Again, now can there be people with a critical spirit? Yes, there can be. Should that be addressed? Yes, it should be. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when somebody sees legitimate concerns, maybe the Lord shows them something, 
and all of a sudden it's just poo pooed. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these things re- rather than address it, because addressing means addressing them means to acknowledge that God used you, and they weren't seeing it. And especially if if there's somebody that has spent a lot of money, somebody has vested a lot of time, a lot of study effort into yeah. learning the Hebrew, learning the Greek, learning how to break down scripture, learning how to preach a sermon, all these things, it's a big hit to the ego. It can be. It can be. If we don't hold it in in check. So. What's really, what's really bad is though, most of the time when, when folks get into this type of uh, argument or this type of conversation. It's usually just a simple, uh, it's usually a simple conversation of, uh, uh, usually starts off the conversation of, uh, you know, come join our church or come, come visit us, come do this, come do that, you know? And then that's where things like to jump off or or spring off from. Um, But when we hear those, those um those deflections uh you know those those people who protecting the congregation or protecting the church man if they just simply acknowledge that yeah you're right brother you know man, our, our church is jacked up you know it, it's jacked up from the floor up uh that's why we need you we need you to help fix it amen you know but instead of honestly uh, making that honest assessment and admitting to it um, we're gonna we're gonna turn on the defense and 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 act like you need us, uh, you know, or, or to, to fix you. Uh, that's just that's the problem with the Western Church is that uh, Jesus didn't play no games like that in the Book of Revelation. No, in his seven letters, uh, he, he didn't he didn't pull any punches. He so, didn't pull any punches with the Pharisees and the Sadducees no. when he's cleansing the temple. No, he did not pull any punches over in Matthew 23. So anyway, a little, little rabbit hole there. Yeah, it, uh, it is, but I, I want to point out one other thing. Uh, here, here's how that happened with you and me though. What happened is, is we're starting to grow. We're getting into the word for ourselves, which will give you some pushback, but we just simply asked these questions. And it was this, uh, I'm reading in the Bible where it says this, why are we doing it this other way? And it was really as innocent as that for, for both yeah. you and I. Exactly. And all we're wanting to do is we're wanting to learn. We're wanting, you know, hey, we're called. In asking this, though, it, it was in the front. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- that did not go well. That, that went over like a lead balloon for a lot of people. I want to point one other thing out here before we move on from David. Uh, we got one more thing to talk about after that with David, though. Saul recognizes a calling on David, mm-hmm. but it, it's interesting. So that's why you, that's another reason why you have the pushback. Saul wasn't right. Saul was called to be king, but Saul wasn't right. But he still recognized that calling on David. And and here's the funny thing: that whole thing is a testing of David's character. David had resolved that he knew he was going to be king, and he was diligent in making his preparations for when the time came. He was ready. But he was also determined not to supplant uh, Saul by his own hand, right? You know, so so there right. that that was a big character test, mm-hmm. 
And I look back on it. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. I can look back on that on those days. I know from my own experience that there was there was a part of me that, for the most part, I, I did want honest answers. I just want to know why we're doing this way. But there was a part of me that that kind of facetiously was casting shade, say, you know. You know, why are we doing this? You know, there's, there's, is that, uh, you know, kind of throwing that shade a little bit. Um, but that was the, it was the, the ignorance of my youth in Christ. Yeah. Uh, so man, and, and I'm glad I went through that though, because it was, uh, man, it was a major, major growing growth spurt for me. Yeah. Uh, because there was a time, man, you and I both were, it was just a matter of, having a Bible in the hand say, this is what it says. How come we ain't doing it? And by and large, it was just simply, why aren't we doing it? But there was a, a, a small side of us that was going, you know, we ain't doing it because, because you ain't doing it right. That's why. Uh, and that was, that's, you know, it's a small part of us. That's the part that God's got to, he's got to get out of you. Yeah. And I think part of our frustration was the more things were deflected and the more, BS answers we got, be quite truthful. Mm-hmm. And then the more the cockiness started to grow. Yep. Yep. The more you made your point with us. Yep. It, one, one other thing about that, though, uh, just uh, before we move on from David, David screws up. Once, mm-hmm. he, once he's king, David screws up a lot. Uh, but that doesn't negate what he's called to do. There's uh, consequences for the mistakes. Uh, big time consequence consequences that outlast his kingdom or as far as maybe not his kingdom, but his reign as King, but it still didn't disqualify him from being called. Right. Yeah. God did not revoke his calling. No. Thanks for listening. We sincerely hope this helps you to grow in the Lord. For more information, check us out at wofoyo.org or subscribe on Apple podcast, Spotify, Amazon music, or audible. Remember, if you're going to grow, you got a wofo yo. Get in the word for yourself.